The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. This is a special edition of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. But before we get started, take a deep breath, neighbors, and know that we will all get through this. Okay, let's get started. Our local healthcare system, our local economy, our lives, heck, even our meals are being affected by COVID-19. In this special edition of the program, we are going to talk to individuals in Kawartha Lakes about how they're personally affected. We talk to a freelance musician, the owner of a pizza delivery restaurant, a woman and daughter who are self-isolating, and a church minister. My name is Denny Grignell. I'm the host of this program, this bonus edition. So we'll call it episode 3.5 of The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Starting Wednesday, March 18th, the RMH COVID-19 Assessment Center will be open by appointment only. The RMH COVID-19 Assessment Center model will have patients call first for a phone assessment by a nurse or physician. That is the official announcement from the Ross Memorial Hospital in Lindsay for those who feel they need to be tested for COVID-19. The RMH did have a temporary drive-through type testing system at the hospital, which in its first day of operation saw about 75 people drive through with fewer than a dozen who were deemed necessary to actually be tested. But as I mentioned, that was a temporary setup. It has since moved to the Lindsay Fairgrounds. I spoke to RMH interim president and CEO Veronica Nelson. She explains the reasons for the change of location. Um, well, you can imagine the volumes. You know, we knew the volumes would grow quickly. And as we're sharing the ambulance bay with um, the ambulance, so they're still bringing in emergency cases on the one side and we're using the other side. It's not a sustainable model, but it got us up and running. And so there's also a shift on the ministry that um, uh, patients attending assessment centers can only go by appointment. So. Um, We've set up um, a phone number for our community to call once they've been given direction from telehealth or Ontario Health. They call this number and we'll give them an appointment and they will um, go to the fairground, similar drive-through model, but much more capacity and getting people off the road in a safer way. And they'll go through on their time, um, be seen either by a registered nurse or a physician and um, been giving instructions and then be on their way. I would say the majority don't even get out of their car. So the reason why we do the appointment is because um, it may be that uh, they go, they have their appointment at the drive-through center at the Lindsay Exhibition or their appointment may be in emergency. So we really need to um, manage and get the patients to the right care. So the steps are the person is to first call telehealth or their personal care provider. And then that person will instruct them to call an assessment number. And then from there, they may be instructed to the fairgrounds. Right. Correct. It helps people. uh, It helps everybody. If they actually fill out that self-assessment, the COVID-19 self-assessment on the website, it's called Ontario.ca slash coronavirus. They will do that self-assessment and it will actually direct them where they should go next or what their next steps are. And then it may say call telehealth or call your primary care. You follow that and then then, then the next step just flows through. What should they come prepared with for that person who has been told, yes, make your, your way to the fairgrounds? 
they should come prepared with obviously their travel history as much information as they can provide um, their health card uh, any other information in terms of their medical history that may be relevant to um, to their symptoms. What message would you like to impart to the people of, of Kortha Lakes right now, just either to ease their fears or, or to just know what to be prepared for? I would say during this challenging time, it's so important to remember that good hand hygiene is number one, and number two is social distancing, six feet or two meters apart are the most effective ways to limit the potential spread of COVID-19. Um, and if you are asked to self-isolate, really listen to those instructions and stay home and keep our community safe. You're listening to a special edition of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, sponsored by Wards, Lawyers and Lindsay. Find them at wardlegal.ca. We are focusing on COVID-19 and how some of our neighbours are coping. For sure, it's having a huge impact on restaurant owners who've been relegated to takeout only. Now, you might think this would be a boon for pizza places whose business model is less about eat-in and more about delivery. Hey, we still all want, need that option to not cook while sequestered at home, right? And for sure, pizza places in Kawartha Lakes are still delivering, but not all of them. Here's my conversation with Greg Andrews, co-owner of Tony's Pizza. Even... As late as Sunday afternoon, we were still planning on being open. And then it was like Sunday evening. We kind of mulled it over and said, you know what? Like, we're just going to pull the plug starting this week. So, Well, I have to ask you about that. What was that decision like? Cause I'm, I, it sounds like you didn't come to it on your own. Take me to that moment when you were sitting down in a circle or on the phone and said, this is it. We got to we gotta pull the plug. Well, like, we, you just kind of look around and, like, we looked at what was happening in other parts of the world. And I even, like, I thought about how how it goes like like we could have um easily 50 to 100 people through our door mm -hmm. and that's uh that's not even me being in contact with 50 to 100 people that's those um all those people like because they've had contact with me like that's those those 100 people are having contact with 99 other people right just by like going through the door like we can't control what goes through our door so um even though we're just takeout and it's still like it's not like a dine-in but there's still exposure there, right? Now, you are delivery as well. And I must admit, I thought this would have been a, um, for lack of a better term, a boon for delivery well, restaurants. You know, our, our delivery driver has some health issues. Um, she's someone who would be considered a vulnerable person to this virus. And in good conscience, we couldn't send her out to do deliveries. How could I expect someone like that to go out into like multiple like you know dealing with the public like that right even just dropping the pizza at the front door and you know ringing the doorbell well, and standing back is not practical uh there's still like debit machines like there's always exposure right and like if they're like the the they're saying the biggest thing that we can do right now is social distancing and someone as a delivery driver going out and seeing like being in contact with all those people in a short period of time like that's not social distance right and and we're not an essential service. If, if we're not open, people aren't going to starve to death or anything, right? I'm not worried about myself. Like, I'm, uh, like I, I'm pretty healthy. Like, I'm not in, like, an at-risk group or anything, but it's, it's not about myself, right? And, like, we're a small business. This is, our, this is my family's only source of income. But, uh, like, so it's not an easy decision. But at the same time, like, we're like, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of accommodations made. Like, I'm sure, like, I don't think 
like the government's going to talking about mortgage relief and everything. So like we'll be okay for a few weeks, but nobody can really go for more than like three or four weeks without a paycheck before they start to feel it. Right. What was your delivery person's reaction when you gave her the news? Um, to be honest, I, um, I didn't give them the news. It was, um, my, uh, my partner who did that. Honestly, like I know they wouldn't have been thrilled at the news, but, um, like we're, we're kind of trying to do what's best for, for everybody. Right. Let me ask you, how difficult was this decision? Cause as you mentioned, this is your, your family's, you know, main source of income to, to just kind of shut that down. And, you know, like a small business owner, you can't go out and collect the eye. Oh yeah. Like it, it was difficult for sure. Like, don't, like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm enjoying a little bit of time off with it. Right. Um, like we can realistically close our doors for four weeks before it's like, okay, how are we going to start paying the bills now? Right. But, um, I'm just kind of going on faith that within that four weeks, something like things are developing so quick. Like I'm sure that if we don't make our mortgage payment, I don't think we're going to get foreclosed on pending the circumstances, right? We are all hoping that banks and financial institutions are going to be more forgiving, I think, given the circumstances. So yeah, like it's a little bit of, a little bit of faith too, right? Like where it's just, but, uh, like you figure it out, but it's, I just like this is something that's bigger than ourselves. What do you think of your your peers in the industry who are remaining open then and, and still, you know, working within the confines of what the government is requesting that they just do take out? Um, I understand that. Like it's it's their prerogative. Um, maybe some people might not be as fortunate as us where like like we looked at things and we we know that we can go for it's like other business owners might not have that luxury like they may be in a tighter position so like i get that you know but it's in our personal case we felt that this was a decision that we could make and something that we could do but it, everything like I, every situation is different right like sure. another business maybe they can't they can only afford to close they can't afford to close for a week even Let's look ahead to three or four weeks or however long it'll be when you can make that first pizza post shutdown. What do you think that'll be like for you? Probably the best pizza we've ever made there. <laughs> My name is Riley Ray from Wards Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast Stories from Cortha Lakes. This is a special edition. I got dibs, by the way, on that first Tony's Pizza once this is all over. This is a special edition of the Advocate Podcast as we focus on the impact of COVID-19 on some of our neighbors. Now, I consider Mark Novoselic a neighbor, even if he does live more than 20 kilometers away or fewer than 10, if my jet boots could take me across Sturgeon Lake. Mark is a full-time freelance musician and music teacher, but right now, COVID-19 means Mark and his music performing live anyway, are at a standstill. And uh, that reality came pretty abruptly for him. We played Saturday night with my band Backbeat in Peterborough at the Black Horse. And it was packed. It was a full house right up until like 1230, which is when that that place normally starts to thin out anyways. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was full. Everybody was dancing and carrying on and having a good time. So I hope everything was all right with that. I didn't have any upcoming gigs, fortunately, I guess, that I was counting on uh, for the next couple of weeks. So we'll have to see how that pans out. But, um, I mean, when we do lessons, uh, we do payments one month at a time. 
and I've had some people go ahead. Uh, one person this morning canceled the next three months. Oh, what was that like getting that news? Well, you kind of go. <laughs> Performers don't have some of those safeguards that other employees have, you know, the sick days and the EI. Um, what do you tell totally. people? What do you tell people who say, well, this is, you know, this is what performers signed up for? It's true. I mean, you know, you get to live a, a, a very charmed lifestyle at times, um, not working for the man, so to speak. It's not easy because, you know, if you don't have those sick days or, or the EI to fall back on, um, you know, and sometimes, well, I, I shouldn't say sometimes, but most artists, I guess, have gotten kind of used to living, you know, month to month, gig to gig, season to season. And, you know, you don't have the, uh, the luxuries that a lot of other employees have, so to speak, when you're working for yourself. Conversely, though, has that lifestyle maybe prepared you for this a bit better, do you think? Absolutely. I'm not panicking. I'm not panicking because I'm quite used to it. <laughs> um, you know, it's like every summer when, when the lessons taper down and you're waiting for other gigs and stuff to, to pick up, there's always a lull and you're kind of used to accommodating it, you know. So for me, you know, not having a gig for a couple of weeks is not going to send me into a panic. What if it goes beyond then, that? Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I was just going to say. It's like, you know, I don't have the, you know, the, the paid sick days that some people can, can just sort of comfortably rely on. Most of our income from the, you know, from most people's perspective is, is kind of hypothetical. You live gig to gig. You don't know. You may get a gig in two weeks and then, you know, you couldn't have counted on that as income before you got the gig, you know. You, you learn to accommodate that kind of uncertainty in your work schedule. But by the same token, when you don't have those gigs come up and you don't have any income, you're kind of like, oh, geez, man, what am I going to do? You know, how far down the debt hole do you want to go to get by? Well, let me ask you, how far down the debt hole can, can you sustain this, do you think, just psychologically and everything? Psychologically, I mean, I'm I'm more focused on what I can do from home at the moment. I was just working on um, setting up an online uh, audio video lesson platform that I, I came across. Somebody sent me a link to it. So I, I'm not uh, I'm not in the uh, woe is me <laughs> situation yet. You know, we, we made a point of in the last you know week or so when, when things were starting to go down, stocking up the freezer. So we got two freezers full of food. I mean, the car right now is full of gas. If I'm not going to be traveling much, then it'll last me, you know, a good few weeks. And uh, we still got plenty of firewood. There's water in the well. Power hasn't gone off yet. The dog's happy. And, you know, it's, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Three weeks? Artistically, what can this mean for you, this downtime? More, more time to practice. Um, and then also not having to, I mean, if I don't have to go in for lessons for teaching, you know, nighttime is often the, the right time, as they say, for, for creativity. And, and for me specifically, I mean, it's, it's nothing for me to get engaged in doing a recording and be up in my studio till three or four in the morning, um, not really aware of what the time is. Uh, so, I mean, you know, you can, you can take, you know, that adage that, you know, nothing is as inspiring as hardship or whatever, you know, for, for poetry or music or whatever. But I don't know. I, I'm looking at it as time to get caught up on things.
freezers are full, the dog is fed, the firewood is cut, the car is gassed up. Now that's the makings of some great song lyrics. The music you're listening to right now is Night Moves, written and performed by Mark Novoselic. Now to experience more of Mark's music while supporting a great musician and a neighbor, and whose livelihood is being affected right now, you can purchase it via iTunes. You are listening to a special edition of the Advocate Podcast. Sundays are not the same for so many in Kawartha Lakes and, well, everywhere, really. Part of the government's call for shutdowns includes places of worship. Tim Dayfoot is a minister with United Cooperative Ministries, which includes churches in Oakwood, Cambrai, and Woodville. Reverend Tim says that while members of his churches were certainly aware of the situation unfolding in China in those early days. I don't know if we... We really started to appreciate just how much of an impact it was going to have on us here. Um, now that we know that and have become more aware of uh, how this virus is spreading, uh, it's, 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 of course, very nerve-wracking for uh, a lot of the folks uh, here as well. Well, describe uh, describe the mood for me, if you can, in the... In the church during those last services, what what were people telling you? There was certainly a request for prayers. We did spend some time talking about not shaking hands, uh, not getting really close to one another, which puts a kind of a damper on everyone's mood. And it's such a cornerstone of church, too, you know, where you turn around and you shake people's hands. It's a, that's a real that's hurdle right. to overcome. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone was understanding, even though I think that everybody knew it was going to be difficult to break good habits, uh, habits that they have enjoyed for a long time. What adjustments are you making as, as a minister? Because your job, of course, is much more than just conducting sermons on a, on a Sunday. In some ways, it feels like it makes my work a little bit busier, a little bit heavier. How so? I've I, well, I've made I've been on the phone uh, a lot more than I usually am, talking to the council members who are the ones who make the decisions about the worship services. Uh, I've also been starting to talk to the other two worship leaders who work with the six churches about making a video, or perhaps even more as time goes on, of worship material that can be distributed and sent out to the folks who would like to be in church on Sunday morning. And so it certainly does have a big impact, and it shifts my regular activities to other, uh, perhaps more urgent ministerial work. How are you adjusting to all of it? It's fortunate in some ways that this has come... After February, February is a very busy time with annual congregational meetings. Those have all been held. Uh, there was a kind of little bit of a, a quiet period between the beginning of March and Easter. Uh, Easter, of course, it remains to be seen how that is going to be affected. If that is, if it's not possible to get together 
for Easter that will be a really big impact on the mood and the way that the church. And I think there is a tendency for uh, certainly people from urban areas to just assume that, well, the internet's there, you can just stream the services. I know uh, my wife's church here in Lindsay, they they can live stream Mm -hmm. services, Mm -hmm. but the reality is in rural areas, our internet is somewhat spotty. So that has to pose some challenges for a lot of your people in your churches. That's true. I don't think that we are expecting to be able to do the, the live streaming but we will be trying to do some recorded uh, mm-hmm. material that can be sent out, and of course, uh, letters and written material that hopefully can be passed on to those who don't have mm-hmm. an internet connection. All kinds of things that churches in the urban areas find mm-hmm. readily available or easy. This is the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, a special edition as we focus on COVID-19's impact on some of the people of our community. This episode is sponsored by Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay. Check them out and what they do at wardlegal.ca. Ward's sponsors all of our episodes, actually. In fact, when you find us on iTunes or Spotify, episode three includes a great interview with Ward's lawyer, Calvin Chan, elaborating on the potential impact of COVID-19 on the workplace. Okay, so imagine you're on the flight home from a vacation. You're counting the hours before you settle back into your regular home routine, family, friends, work, and then no, full stop. New plan, new rule. You have to self-isolate for 14 days at home. Darcy Caffin is doing just that, along with her 18-year-old daughter Grace. Both cut a Cuban vacation short and are now home physically separated from the rest of the family, which stayed back home here in Lindsay. Son Owen and husband dad, who is also named Darcy. Yes, that's a coincidence, but I need to make that clear so that when you hear Darcy mom refer to Darcy, she's not referring to herself in the third person. I talked to Darcy on day one of her and Grace's two-week isolation. Hello. Hi, Darcy. It's Denny Grignell. Well, more importantly, how are you? Oh, we're fine. We were in Cuba, so we're basically low risk. With Cuba, there was only three confirmed cases, 900 miles from where we were. Okay, well, take me back to when you were in Cuba and you learned of that request, uh, kind of a hard request to self-isolate once you did come home. It is, and it's hard for us because we were, as I say, they told us at Customs we're low risk. So basically what they've told us to do is stay in a separate area of our home, limit our contact to our family members in our home, and only go outside if it's an absolute emergency in the public. Even to just walk out in a park somewhere? uh, They told us we're okay to do that. Um, Again, they told us to use basic common knowledge. Uh, Social distancing as well was applying to us, which I fully intended to do anyway. Yeah. Well, what was it like getting that news, knowing that this this is what was waiting for you when you when you got home? Well, to be truthful, we really had no idea in Cuba what was going on. It was business as usual at the resort. Planes were still coming in with Canadian tourists. And it wasn't until we went online that we realized, oh, holy smokes, like this is getting a little hardcore. But on Sunday, I thought, okay, we just have to get home. 
Darcy, my husband, and my son were home, so they were not with us on the trip. Tell me what you were feeling at that time. You're away from home, yeah. and, and there's were you, were you completely at ease, or was there any anxiety at all? Or I will say my 18-year-old was completely comfortable. She's like, you know what? We're safe here. We're good. She was fantastic. I was a little more like, okay, we just got to get home. We just got to get home. Let's get out of here. I just didn't want to be stuck there was my biggest concern. I never once felt unsafe or anything like that. I just thought I don't want to be stuck here. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe had we been there as a family, I might have been less nervous, but there was just Grace and I, and I just felt like we needed to get home. Mm-hmm. And then as we started reading the more, you know, urging you to get home, Canadians should return home. We knew it was starting to get a little more serious. Normally, there's a real sense of, uh, ah, you know, when you walk into your home after any long trip, what were you feeling given that you knew you were going to be well sequestered there for the next two weeks? You know what? Grace and I had chatted about it on the plane on the way home. And I said, you know, maybe this is just a wake up call for all of us to slow down a little bit. Like, we are fine here. We are good here. We've got stocked up. My parents stocked us up with toilet paper and food and Darcy had stocked us up before we left and I think maybe if we were in a more high risk area where we had to be you know completely segregated from everyone it might be a little bit different now that being said we've had no contact since we walked in home with Evan other than FaceTime and text and the same with like with Darcy we're basically in a separate area of our home with our own bathroom and you know, so we, we're fine here. What are you doing for meals? I'm just curious. Like, you, you obviously can't sit at the table together, or can you? No. Well, they told us specifically, as they say, because we were in a low-risk area, that we were probably okay. But we've chosen, Grace and I, just to keep our distance from everybody. We won't see our parents, for like my parents, for two weeks. We won't go out of the house. We've canceled appointments. You know, nothing that's absolutely unnecessary mm-hmm. to be at, we will be at. Okay, so, so we're he's cooking and he's <laughs> dropping it at our door. <laughs> he's literally dropping food at your door. He's literally dropping food at our door. Okay, this is it's tough to predict the future, but you're into day one right now. What do you think this conversation yeah. will be like on day eleven or twelve or even six or seven? Uh, well, I honestly don't know. So right now we're fine, you know, we've got Netflix, I've got a basement cleanup project plan, Grace is watching Broadway shows online. <laughs> She's got an online English course to finish. So, you know what? If this is what we have to do, this is what we have to do. And we'll just make the best of it. We can go out for walks and we can, you know, do that kind of thing. So that's nice. It is what it is. And we have to do our part. So Okay. Well, let me ask you that then to, to that point. What do you say to those people who, like you, they've been away and, and maybe in a, in a lower risk area and they're asked to self-isolate when they come home, but they bail after a few days, or they don't do it at all. What do you say to those people? For two weeks, inconvenience your life. You could save somebody else from being sick. I just think it's a little selfish for us to assume that because it's not us, it's okay. And it's not. There's tons of people offering help. There's tons of people saying, let's work from home. My boss has been fantastic. He's like, you know what? Stay home. You're good. We're good. And I work in a medical field, too, so I don't want to put my patients who are, you know, generally elderly at risk for what? 
it's unnecessary. I, I don't need to be there. Life will function. My office will function without me. My coworkers are fantastic. You know, this is where we need to be for 14 days. This is where we'll be. Some good advice there from Darcy Caffin. Stay home, especially if you've been abroad. The Advocate Podcast is sponsored by Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay. Find them at wardlegal.ca. Original theme written and performed by Gerald Van Halteren. You can find us on Spotify and on iTunes and via our website at lindsayadvocate.ca. Stay positive. I know this is tough, but it will end. Until then, check in on your neighbors and your family. Skype, email, call. Remember when we used to do that all the time with an actual phone? Clean out the basement, the fridge, dig out that scrabble board, pick up the litter on that road you drive all the time. Just stay safe. And when this does end, oh man, we are going to have one kick-ass Kawartha party. Am I right? My name is Denny Grignon. Talk to you at the end of the month. Music.